0: So we want to welcome you to the Reformed Informants. This is a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs, along with T.J. Darty. and before we get to the Reformed Informants part, we actually have another informant that we need to add to the mix today. A new special guest, the first time,
1: this is the first time that we've had a third person in the studio. To my left is Jared Helms. Uh, he is, yeah, welcome, You're Jared. Well, uh, glad to have him. Yeah studio audience here is excited <laughs> about this. Uh, Jared's married to his wife, Sam, and they have a little girl, uh, Addie, who's 14 months old. Happy late Father's Day, by the way, one thank day late. Um, Jared, thank you. Uh, and you too, by the way. Uh, Jared graduated from Southwestern in May, right? Yep. In May with his MDiv. Uh, he's about to start his THM in the fall, Theological Studies. He has a mind towards uh, a Ph.D., with a focus on early church history, the church fathers, right? That's it. Um, And he also serves um, at Northridge Hills Baptist Church as the young adult minister. So this guy's kind of a jack of all trades; he does it all. So we brought him in, bringing his expertise, going to let him talk to us uh, today and help us with the with the podcast. So welcome,
2: Jared. Glad to have you here. Good to be here, man. Thank you.
0: So the the value of church history, yeah, is that what we're we're going to get shown up here? (laughs) That's
1: why we bring in. That's why we bring in other guys who know what they're talking about. Because so, all right, you mentioned church history, right? Like that's that's what we're going to do. We brought in a guy who's uh, passionate and wants to study church history. But Lance, help me. We've said that this podcast is about biblical exposition systematic theology, why in the world am I wasting my time with history? How is that even related to what we're studying?
0: Yeah, well we talked about the, the value and the importance of looking back throughout the generations to see where Christians have gone before us. Um, it, it's an automatic safeguard, especially when interpreting scripture or developing a systematic theology. Looking back at what Christians have said, what Christians have defined, and how Christians have lived beforehand, is a huge, huge uh, development um, for us as individual Christians, but even as the church continues to grow and flourish in 2019.
1: Yeah. Jared, what would you add to that? Why, why, why would we even do
2: this? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, church history is a huge tool to uh, help, kind of like you said, put up these guardrails, kind of yeah. learn from the past, learn where um, we can be faithful to the Bible and to Scripture, but also can... Um, you know, may have some difference of opinion sometimes, and search through that, but still be faithful, and not veer too off uh, the beaten path when we right. look at some stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I would add to that. I mean, I think it's important to have this distinction right away up front to let our listeners know, but just to remind ourselves that church history itself is not authoritative, right? Yep. Like that we can't look back at history and say, "Well, this is how the church has always done this," or "This is what the church has always said." Therefore, it must be right, like. The Bible is the authority, but as you mentioned, Jared, the church history kind of gives us those guardrails. It gives us those uh, parameters to just kind of make sure if we have veered off, that the church uh, throughout throughout the last two thousand years will help guide us back to the truth, and that truth is founded in Scripture, right? Like we have to have that distinction in place. Yeah,
0: I think I think that has to be the biggest danger. When looking back into church history, is to somehow let that supersede <clears throat> mm-hmm. what the scripture has said. So, yeah, we, we definitely need to be careful of doing that, even though we want to put great emphasis on this, not, not more than sola scriptura, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. I think we're all flawed people uh, throughout time. We're all sinners. We all have errors. And so, if we try to stick to one particular emphasis on mm. an individual or an ideology, like we can see that that veers off scripture. Uh, to its extremes, so that's, yeah, having yeah. that as the base, the foundation of what we do is good. That's a good word. Yeah. So,
1: so we need to be aware that we can't just pick up one individual theologian and say, "Hey, this guy got it all right," and I will whatever he said or she said, that's truth. Like, of course, we can't say yeah. that.
0: Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we're going to start talking church history. Okay, before we get there, is it possible to build a biblical or a scriptural argument? Showing that we should actually look into church history, or that we should go back into uh, the past. Is there any support throughout Old New Testament? So, so let me understand your question. You're saying, can we even look at this?
1: Do we even have a biblical warrant for doing this? Sure. Is that kind of yeah. your question? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna kick that over to Jared. <laughs> um, Jared, what would what would you say? Like, you're you're about to you're about to spend uh, a lot of time, energy, effort doing this. Do you, do you have biblical warrant for doing so?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Good. So <laughs> we look at the Old Testament. Okay, we'll have you back. We uh, when you look at the Old Testament, you know, you get to the historical books. So you see the trajectory mm. of Israel and what all God is doing for his people and his chosen people. And so as that progresses throughout time, you get to the New Testament. They're looking back on uh, what the Old Testament, we have the privilege of having it now split up, mm. kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So. They are taking that history, taking what God has done for uh, the Israelites themselves and then expounding upon that. So as Christ um, came and as God has revealed himself progressively throughout Scripture, uh, you see Paul talking about, hey, this is what has been revealed to us. This is what we needed to see. Let's hold to that. Let's learn from that and kind of move forward and do that. So a verse that comes to mind is 2 Timothy 1, uh, 13 to 14. It says, follow the pattern of the sound words. Uh, that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus and by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us guard the good deposit entrusted to you so mm. we see Paul wanting to pass this on pass his faith on to Timothy and then Timothy likewise continue that yeah
1: that's that's good what would, what would you add to that
0: yeah I would add first Corinthians chapter 10 um in the midst of that letter Paul uh is explaining some Old Testament text some Old Testament narrative and he says, look, these things were written for your admonition. Mm-hmm. These, these things were written as examples. These things are essentially written so you can look back on them and learn from them whether good or, <laughs> whether good or bad. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think there's value in doing this. The Apostle Paul, he, he's the apostle, right? And he sees um, the benefit of going back going back in time and looking at what has previously yep. been written or previously been done uh, by the hand of God.
1: Yeah, Romans 15.4, uh, Paul says this. He says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. In other words, pay attention to what has been written. Um, I, I think of Psalm 78. That's one of my favorite psalms um, where Israel is to remember the Exodus. They're to remember God delivering them. Um, out of bondage out of Egypt and remembering his faithfulness and so it's a uh, looking back into history yes there's theological truths to pull from it but it's also let's pay attention to what God has done in history God has moved progress we even talked about that a little bit with general revelation right like that God has moved we see his hand moving throughout history so paying attention to what he has said um, isn't in fact it's a way to worship yeah right
0: yeah, absolutely. And to kind of conclude our scriptural evidence to look back into church history, I mean, how many times do we see Jesus quoting the Old Testament? How many times is Jesus going back to the Old Testament using the narratives, uh, using all the different events and the situations and the people and the characters um, as a way to build a defense for even the truth that he 's relaying, I, I think of a couple instances, one in particular when he talks about Jonah being in the belly of the That's fish the for three days mind, right yeah. you know, he 's going back yeah. to that well known narrative and he 's comparing that to his mm-hmm. uh resurrection, the time that he would be in the in the tomb three right. days so I mean there 's just uh, if Jesus is doing this yeah there 's obviously value in it
1: yeah yeah okay we've we 've established I think fairly strong ground on which to do this, but um, why, uh, Jared, let me ask you this, what danger do we face if we don't do this? Like, in other words, yeah, there's benefit. Uh, I can see that there's value, perhaps, in doing this, and maybe even biblical warrant for it, but what dangers do I face if I don't do this? If I don't pay attention to church history, um, what what dangers do I face?
2: Yeah, so I think you have the problem of um, you begin to err sometimes in your theology if you don't respect church history so our uh, theology has been around for a long time Uh, you know it's 2019 it's been here for a while Mm -hmm. and so we've come to understand in a way that's faithful to scripture and that's been defined and laid out for us and so there's nothing new under the sun and so if Mm -hmm. you neglect the use of church history you can err in ways that we've the church itself is already deemed heretical or maybe not the normative and orthodox Mm -hmm. and so I think if you fail to study church history or neglect it, you can, maybe not always, but you easily can kind of go outside those guardrails using them what we said earlier.
0: Well, yeah, I would say this is, to add to that, this is one of the problems that we face in the American church. You know, if you were to survey or canvas most churches, and I think I could say that, most churches.
1: And you're talking probably most evangelical churches. Yeah, most, like yeah. these are solid churches. Sure, right? most
0: evangelical churches that... Uh, to some degree there there isn't an emphasis at all on what has gone before or what, what, what has taken place before us uh, in terms of Christianity and the church and whatnot the, the, there's almost it's some of it's almost frowned upon yeah. like oh well, you know that was a few hundred years ago this is two thousand and nineteen. Why would we approach anything that we do that way it's outdated um,
1: well you, you mentioned the American church that as you were saying that i'm thinking we live in a culture where newer is always better right like we always need the newest and the latest and all that and and so but in theology that's that's really dangerous right like yeah. it's incredibly dangerous to think but we want to build our theology on established roots um, I don't know if you know I, I think there's a C.S. Lewis quote I think it's at the library at Southwestern it says like for every new book you read you should read what, I read how, an old one yeah, yeah right like like read old books that was some of the best advice I got in seminary read old books and I thought that's that's kind of nonsense right like wouldn't I want to pay attention to like building and, and learning on what's going on today but, but I've come to see the value because there's real danger if I don't do that
2: yeah no it's funny you mentioned like our generation our culture so uh, me, the millennial generation, we love what's new, and so mm-hmm. we want to come up with our new ways of education, our new ways of doing things, and that's really bad when you come to scripture. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. if Let's we go. get something new, <laughs> it's probably wrong, because like, yeah. we're not, this isn't a new thing, like that's, I said, this is something that's been around. So that's good. people have thought about this a long time, that's good. and they yeah, a lot it, smarter than we are.
0: No, yeah. Oh yeah, that was great too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're not trying to bring anything fresh. To the table when we sit down and talk systematic theology, maybe we're trying to bring clarification, or right, maybe bring right. you know uh, maybe a better understanding of it. Um, but we're not we're not trying to bring anything new no, to the table. No there, there's new idea. Yeah, there's nothing no. within systematic theology that I could talk about right now that hasn't already been brought up somewhere somehow beforehand.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I, I've thought about this too. You, you've got to be careful when you do those things because. Everybody else has probably thought all these errant different ways, right? Like even whatever obscure thought you can have, um, you could take it into some new degree or new angle. But as Jared mentioned, there's nothing new under the sun. And all these heresies or all these deviations for the truth have been dealt with. Mm-hmm. So we need to pay attention because we can learn so much from those who have gone before us. So okay, let by, let me, by the way, let me, let me ask okay. you something. <laughs> Jared mentioned millennials. Are you a millennial? Because you're quite a bit older than...
0: I, I'm 36 years old. I know. Is that make you a millennial? I, I think I'm in the mix. I'm okay, like, I'm yeah. I'm like sorry. Right right yeah, yeah, I'm right on the edge there. I'm sorry. I was just... Yeah, was thanks just for mentioning that. I'm okay. <laughs> you, you mentioned your age. I, <laughs> I know. You had to
2: do I tried to say. keep it to me because
1: <laughs> I didn't know what... <laughs> yeah, to I'm a millennial, uh, yeah. but I didn't know if you were. Sorry. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm I right there the on question. the edge. Had to ask the question. Beard's starting to get a little gray, so I wouldn't... Yeah, there's a
0: couple strands in here. I don't know if you can see it through the HD camera up there, but...
1: Oh, sorry, sorry. Take us back where we need to be.
0: Um, I, I forgot. I think I forgot where I was going. Well, yeah, No, 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 I got it. So, okay. um, so let, let's say that I let's say that I go to a church, and I don't. But let's say that I go to a church that does not talk about church history oh. and doesn't really have any type of investment in church history. I, I mean, how how do I handle that? Mm. Should that be a red flag? Um, is that something I should be concerned about? Um, I mean, w- what, what do I do in that situation? I think for me, at least where I'm at now, and I don't know if I would have had the same perspective 10 years ago, but now with my understanding of systematic theology and my understanding of church history and how it's important to uh, reform theology, I, I think now I would be seriously concerned if my church never talked about mm. anything in the past. Yeah, now, Should I be? I don't know.
2: What I okay. what? Do, yeah, what do you say? Yeah, so I think that it's concerning if okay. they don't yeah. talk about it at all. But I think uh, it depends on how it's done. So I know pastors that would like love Spurgeon or read that, and so they may not highlight, "Hey, this is from before," or they may mm. read Augustine or something, and they don't directly point okay. that out. Mm. But they bring those ideas, those topics to the forefront. So. Um, I think it just depends on the way the church is set up. If you're completely abandoning that and everything feels super new and there's not this kind of reverence for what has come before, as said, I mean, it calls for a concern to okay have yeah. discussion. I wouldn't yeah. okay, no. leave yeah. the church yeah. that's right. Good. Don't, just don't bail pay. out. You yeah. know,
0: Sunday yeah. afternoon, you're yeah. out.
2: That's that's good. And I think I think what you
1: mentioned there is a, is a good reminder for us that even if you don't have citations that say you know from the pulpit on Sunday morning, this is what Lloyd Jones said about this, or this is what Luther uh, articulated about the Book of Romans. Perhaps uh, it's undergirding some of the thought, and you're building on those on those men of faith. Um and there perhaps there is reverence for him even yeah. if it's not publicly okay. Per- acknowledged. Okay, that's where I was. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where I
0: was hoping you guys were going to go with that because yeah, I don't think there needs to be a total abandonment, but it calls for a discussion. It mm-hmm. calls for a conversation. Um, okay, uh, well, I think l- let's beneficial. let's
1: springboard off this then. Let's say I'm at a church where that's not the case, where I don't have at least not a lively discussion regarding church history, and and again like. On Sunday morning, I don't want to exposit what Augustine said. I want to exposit the Word of God, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to pay attention to what men have said over the years, but predominantly the Scripture is going to guide, the, the sermon is going to guide all of our discussion. We know that. But let's say I don't have any foundation for church history, and I'm listening to this podcast for the first time, and I'm going, huh, I don't know anything about church history. How do I even do it? How do I study church history? Because if I have to account for 2,019 years worth of writings. On, uh, I, I got no clue where to go. How do I start? What, what do I do? Uh, what do you guys say?
0: Well, one, you, you've got to at least get out of your mind. That history is boring and old and bad I mean, <laughs> because right. you yeah. know I mean honestly when we we take history classes in high school we've taken history classes yeah. in college our approach is this is history it's old and it's boring <laughs> right. yep. so I think just kind of reorienting our framework on the value kind of like we're talking mm-hmm. about which the, the value of church history I, you have to have that approach that's a good word. right because you're going to go pick up these books that are centuries old mm-hmm. and. Uh, the The font is going to be itty bitty and it's going to be difficult <laughs> the reading. The is going to be brutal. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be heavy sledding through some of that material but yeah. you have to go into it with a mind and a heart that is open to to see the value of what God has done through people in the past.
2: That's that's a good word. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I remember, it's funny, I remember in high school saying history is just dirt and I <laughs> hit it like my least favorite subject. I'm right there with you. And now that's what I want to do Get a doctoral like degree. of degree. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think this reverence for history that we see. And we gotta keep in mind that these guys were pastors. Mm-hmm. When look at the early church fathers, they're pastors, they're apologists, they're seeking a way to help interpret the right faith, orthodox faith for their people. And so, sin's the same, it may be, you know, it may be prettier, it may have right. more social media backing behind it, yeah. but the sin- people are people, like and we're sinful and we're fallen. And so, the issues that we see today, they're facing back in the early church mm-hmm. with the Roman government that's pagan, that's completely against uh, God and everything in it. Well, look at our culture now. It's not mm-hmm. the best. And so they're trying to seek for their people and their congregation how do we move forward, how do we rightly interpret scripture and live it out and we can do the same thing for that's, us. That's yeah, good. that's good, but, man. Yeah.
1: And I, I would I would just kind of add to that what you guys have said, that I think there needs to be a humility when we open up when we look at his, uh, church history, we we need to say, look, I have something to learn. I, I have there's value in this for me, and I want to come with a humble spirit that says, I can I can sit down and read from these men, and they can pastor me, they can minister to me. Um, I often joke that most of my friends are dead guys. Like that's that most of my time is spent wrestling with the thoughts of men who have already gone, mm-hmm. but they have left behind a legacy upon which we can now build and learn and uh, steward appropriately as, as uh, we mentioned from first Timothy to, to now pass that on right to those um, who who come upon underneath of us in the faith right so just constantly working on that yeah,
0: you need to get some friends <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah but, but but your point your point stands look I, I can sit here on this episode and learn from both of you guys I mean what's the difference of someone that talked about the same thing a decade ago a mm-hmm. hundred years ago mm-hmm. like it's just going to be in print not necessarily right. through you know social media or what not mm-hmm. okay so you you mentioned that with print let's
1: legitimately like I want to answer this in a, in a very practical way how, how do I study where do I go how do I how do I start this process well, we're, we're, no, where, Jared, you're Yeah, where am I going, yeah, so yeah, am I going? You, man? I'm there, putting this um, on you. I'm listening you. to the podcast. I want to study
2: history, but you guys are just talking about it in theory. What do I do? Yeah, so there are plenty of books <laughs> out there. Which uh, one? A ton of books. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest starting with kind of overview mm-hmm. of church history. So you look at, um, for our class, we did uh, Gonzalez's yeah. Story of Christianity. That's right? Yeah, that's, so it's it's two one I read. Yeah, that's the one you recommend. Yeah, yeah that's the one that's one good. Read. Two-volume set, um, early church up to Reformation, then Reformation to now. Mm -hmm. And so take that, read it. It gives you a kind of an overview. That's good. But also the points that it highlights, oh, hey, I kind of liked what this guy was doing and dealing with. Mm -hmm. Well, let me draw that out and then go look for his stuff. Right. So don't try to, to 2019, it's been a long time. Don't try to dive in yourself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and figure out, oh, well, what are the main ideas? What are the topics of the day? use what scholars have already done and yeah. like draw that out and then start That's good. there. That's so.
1: good. Yeah. So if, if I start with maybe, a I, I like Gonzalez's work, the story of yeah. Christianity gives you this broad overview. Then like you said, like maybe, maybe you're reading through and you see, Oh man, there's a period in history here where persecution was rampant, right? Like when, when the Romans are just, they're just pouring out wrath upon Christians and you just become fascinated by that. And then you could start to dig into, well, what are those guys writing about? They're, they're writing about, uh, protecting the faith, or or standing firm in the midst of persecution, and and then you can dig into what that era has done, or you get to the Reformation, which I know you and I have talked a lot about before. That there's the there's a defense of the gospel. They've seen the gospel uh, completely. Um, just slaughtered by the catholic church and they've said hey we need to recover this and so oh i become passionate about that i want to read more of those guys and so i think that's a good thing you read broadly and then you're able to narrow in um to different aspects or different eras that are are more interesting which is fine like you don't have to be interested in every single thing that you read you 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 read broadly and then you start to to work your way in
0: the story of christianity is, is that what it's called or what yes. do you yes the, okay. yes story of christianity yeah. like would oh, you say, okay. would you say that's accessible like yeah. as far as um, or, or in terms of i can just open that thing up it's it's clear it's pretty concise for the most part it's straightforward yeah
2: it's it's really good okay. so it's, it's very readable easy read. yeah mm-hmm. very readable so yeah you
1: don't need you don't need a uh, your mdiv to even d- jump into that like i think that was the first book that i read when i started my mdiv that was the first place i i went was we had to. We had to. You have to get an overview of the story so that you can start to navigate. Because even doing theology, like it's hard to, to wrestle with these theological applications because theology is always done in a cultural setting. So it's hard to it's hard to think about how the early church is wrestling with the canonization of scripture if you don't even know what's going on around them. So you've got to you've got to kind of get a broad stroke, and I think that's a good place to start.
0: Yeah, I, I think for me and the way that I was. Essentially brought into church history it wasn't with that particular approach. Um, and in fact, so it was I was wrong. I'm no, no. In fact, no, what I was going to say is um, I, I hadn't even heard of that resource until you mentioned it to me maybe over a year ago. Yeah, you ago. had a student ask, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, no problem. Um, I, I think the way that I was introduced to it, and this is why I kind of brought up my question earlier about churches needing to stick to church history listening to different pastors Mm. who would either allude to people in the past, quote people in the past, talk about ancient writings or ancient documents. So then I would go to those guys Ah. and read those documents. Well, then they would quote somebody else. So then I would get their books or read their books. And then so all of a sudden I'm moving all around. It it wasn't as organized as an overview, but it was still getting me Mm -hmm. to and from Augustine to Edwards to yeah. Luther to, I mean, you know, you of can name, name whoever. Right. Um, no, that's,
1: I, I like that. That's a good, that's a, I hadn't considered that that might be in a less organic, well, I guess maybe more organic, but a less organized, a less structured, like, Hey, I'm going to sit down and systematically work my way through church history. But yeah, if you're interested in a particular person or if you hear like, Hey, why does, why does my pastor keep quoting, uh, Martin Luther. I don't oh, even I mean know that, that
0: story. Yeah, I mean that—that's no. what it was. Like, yeah. uh, you see, I'm like, well, who is that guy? So right. I'd write that down, you know, in, in my notes, and then I would just go to a bookstore or mm-hmm. look online and try and figure out, you know, who these guys are.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I think that's good. Um, <clears throat> okay, let me let me ask this other question. How do we discern who to read in church history? So I, we mentioned okay, those these are the guys I'm interested in, but how, how do I discern and how do I know who to read? So let me let me give you an example, Jared. I'll, I'll let you kind of springboard off of this. No. But er, early church, you've got one of the more um, well-known councils, Nicaea 325. This is the Christological debate. And you've got Athanasius and you've got Arius. Um, how do do I only read Athanasius? Do I read Arius? How, you know what I'm saying? Like how, how yeah. would you direct somebody to read and, and how do we kind of— choose who to read.
2: Yeah, so I think this is where the overviews come in helpful. So you get to understand who Athanasius was, who Arius was. And so when you dive in, you already have a mindset. I'm a big fan of reading widely. So Mm -hmm. those that you agree with and don't agree with. Um, like, if you look on my bookshelves, I've got Rob Bell's Love Wins and stuff. Mm-hmm. Something I wouldn't agree with, but yeah, good. I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank <you>. we'll continue <laughs> the episode. <laughs> right, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. Keep, we keep rolling. But I want to see what is going on. Yeah. And so, just good. like today, we want to understand our culture, and we don't want to just understand it from our perspective, but That's right. to help communicate the gospel, we need to understand where other people are coming from. And so, I would recommend to read widely, but understanding again, and the importance of having scripture as our biblical mm-hmm. basis we've got to understand what scripture says first because when we come to these guys we got to be able to discern what's good and what's bad. That's good. And so you not can that. read widely but be sure to have a good foundation that's wrapped up in scripture yeah. before we begin to do that. So, so so would you
1: say read widely but also read critically? Yes, right? Like absolutely. we want to have we want to have a mind that just doesn't just imbibe everything we read but have that scriptural filter yeah. Yeah. which these men for the most part are attempting to do that. They're attempting to use scripture, right? Like that's we they're not just going to say the, I know the Bible says this, but I believe this other thing anyway, right? Like they're yeah. gonna. So we have to. I think that's a good word. I think we have to constantly be putting that scripture in front of us, have it by, um, have that foundation in place, so that we can appropriately read that.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to go the, the same route and direction that that you were with. Of course, he says that. Of course, yeah. Of course, now. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get on to Yeah, the PhD guys in here. You know, I'm going to affirm what you guys are saying there. No, but um, yeah, I, I liked how you 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 put it. Of Having a scriptural framework first, and then being able to widely read from
2: whomever, yeah. really, yeah, both both ends of the That's spectrum
0: right. there. Um, it takes us back to the Packer quote that we've talked about often, at least through the podcast, where he's saying that everyone's a theologian, right, mm-hmm. Either a good or a bad one. Mm-hmm. Y- you have to be a theologian. you have to develop an understanding of scripture. And then, yeah, you can read those different texts. You can read those different books. You can read those who would infant baptize as opposed to those who would uh, baptize after conversion, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then... You know, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Then you're discerning. Yeah. You're reading with a critical
1: yeah. mind to say, this is why they argued this way. Um, you, you know, the arguments that, that the Reformers made for infant baptism is different than the arguments that the early church uh, made for infant baptism. Well, I say early church loosely, but you know what I'm saying. Sure, like the yeah. early, the medieval church, and it's it's different from some of the arguments that you see today. And so, even though they have different, uh, they have the same theological convictions on on that particular issue, they have different reasonings for it. And we need to be able to read and understand all of those things to be able to engage them um, critically and engage them faithfully and fairly. Right? Yeah. Like like you can't combat somebody if you don't understand what they believe. Yeah. And if you don't understand why they believe it.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I agree with all of that. Yeah, read widely, read critically. Yeah. And you're going to see, if you dive into some early church stuff, you're only going to see arguments from the winners, right? You're not going to see, Mm -hmm. you're not going to pull up Arius and like start like reading (laughs) some of his stuff. You get the arguments against him and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, but you see that in scripture as well. You get Paul's arguments against a certain topic Mm -hmm. rather than, oh, well, what are they actually saying? So, Mm but we can still faithfully like learn and interpret some of that stuff as well.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good um any any more on that, or can I move on to something else
0: well it, the the truth just it, it stands the test of time, mm. obviously with scripture, but then through the generations, I mean you can find someone in every generation that has been faithful to the Word of God Well, I mean, we've got to find those guys I mean if no. we want to, yeah, we want to read widely, but we really want to hone in on the the, the faithful yeah, ones that's a good that one. are essentially tying and knitting together our, you know, I think that's a biblical framework. We want to
1: have that good balance where we're able to read critically. We're able to read widely, but we're also able to learn specifically from those men who we trust and who have dealt faithfully with the word. Um, okay. Next, next question I wanted to ask, Jared, I think you mentioned earlier, you you mentioned the example of sin being the same, like sin, sin is the same today as, you know, we we're all sinners and we've been sinners throughout generation. Um, how how can we look at church history and learn um, how to address specific things that are occurring today? In other words, I would say, okay, well, we're going to respond to the issues of LGBTQ plus all that stuff. Well, that wasn't that that moniker didn't exist back in the day. Right. How how do we deal with that, and how do we use church history to deal with that?
2: Yeah, so I think it has a different name maybe like uh-huh. say the LGBTQ plus label wasn't there back mm-hmm. then. Right. But it's the same topics, right? When you see scripture dealing with homosexuality, it may have a different name now, like mm-hmm. gay or lesbian or something like that, but mm-hmm. it's the same thing they have so we see that within church history. You look at the church fathers that are dealing with a pagan Roman culture that worships gods and does all this stuff. Well, we're not saying, Hey, we're gonna worship Zeus or something today but our looks like we are worshiping money or look at worshiping mm. our own, you know. Ourselves. Uh, yeah, ourselves, yeah. For, right. you know, and all that encompasses. And so, well, how do we deal with that? I think church history gives us a good framework to say, okay, well, yes, the culture is different, but what are they dealing with? What are the topics? And it's the same thing the church fathers are doing. They're pulling scripture. How does scripture apply to this particular situation? Mm. And so it's the same thing we try to do today. How does scripture apply to our culture, our situation? That's still true. That's still faithful. The truth doesn't change. Scripture doesn't change, but we can apply it in a way that's practical for our current time. And so, yeah. we can kind of learn how to do that. Learn how to do hermeneutics from the church fathers as well. How well? How do they read the scripture? Mm-hmm. Now, let's say our hermeneutical framework is different than the early church. So, mm-hmm. when you if you dive into that, kind of you need to understand that it's different the way that they interpreted some things, um, and so it's not as uh, literal as we would do it today,
0: but we can look back at that. Yeah, yeah, and, and examine. I mean, that's part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep going. That's part of just valuing church yeah, history yeah, so is we just, can mm-hmm. analyze that and examine it.
2: Yeah, and so kind of understanding. Okay, well, how did they do it, and then how is that set up a framework for we can do us mm. to do it today? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, sin is sin, right? You mentioned it, Romans yeah. 1. Romans 1, I mean, Romans yeah. 1 is every generation. It's that's right. just got different makeup on, or it's just called something different, or yeah. it's just masqueraded in a different way.
1: And sin is always going to be a distortion of the godly ideal. So even if, like we talk about like homosexuality or LGBT, the, the point is that is a distortion of God's intention for human sexuality. Right. Like that's that sin is, is constant throughout all of humanity it's just like you mentioned it just looks at a little different or it's called something different but it it's always a distortion of what the the biblical ideal is right so
2: when you look at some of the early church issues one of the big things that come up is separating scripture well okay we're in the new testament but let's get rid of the old testament i don't like mm-hmm. what some of these books in the new testament say so let's take that out and let's really just focus on these things mm-hmm. well then you get to the creeds and I'm like no scripture is scripture uh, we get to these confessions and do this, uh, these church councils. Well, then you look today, old boy down the street saying, well, let's you know unhitch yeah. ourselves from like, the Old Testament. Let's, well, Bless his this heart. It's the same Bless. thing. Like, we should have solved this hundreds of years ago, right. but it still comes up. Yeah. So
1: no, that's And yeah. you're exactly right. I mean, nothing new under the sun, and that's where the value of church history comes in to say, look, there have been men who have labored, have given their lives to answer these questions. Pay attention to what they've said because – um this this has been addressed
0: yeah i mean it's going to circle back around it will you know yeah. ne- next decade there's going to be something else that's going to come about in the culture well it's already happened somewhere in the past Mm-hmm. So let's see, and let's figure out how to deal with it. Yeah, I,
1: I, I serve uh, as a missions pastor right now, and I, I it was amazing. I don't know if either one of you guys have gotten to read William Carey's Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathens. long? <laughs> we need
0: to, we need well, to go that? back and start titling everything that long.
1: Well, you know, that's just the way they did it back in the day. But anyway, William, William Carey writes this book that basically um, ignites... Following the footsteps of Andrew Fuller ignites this modern missions movement um, in England in the um, 18th century. Well, it's fascinating. This short little book, he he deals with the question. I hear this all the time. People say, well, why do we need to do missions? We got so many lost people right here. And he's answering that very question 250 years ago. Like, it's exactly the same. Like, you, I read it the first time and thought, like, if I didn't have the title and the author, I would have thought that somebody wrote it in 2010. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he's dealing with the same questions, and he's dealing with them using the same scriptures. And so I learned um, that those same questions, those same issues just continue to persist. And so there's so much value in paying attention to what men have said prior, prior to today.
0: Yeah, so is it true that he, when he was on the mission field that he didn't see like a conversion yeah, for, for like, like the first seven years yeah, of yeah. his, you know?
1: Yeah, no, no big deal. Just evangelistic for, tour there. Yeah, Goodness. labored forever, translated the Bible, um, did incredible work for the kingdom, and didn't see tremendous fruit. Wow, but a hero. Now um,
0: yeah, we're talking about him today. That's, yeah, right. That That's right. That's so. right. He's on
1: the Reform Informants yeah. podcast. He made it. He never would have thought that. <laughs> Dream big, guys. Dream big. Um, okay, one more question I have, and then whatever else you guys want to talk about. our yeah. game. You mentioned creeds and confessions. I love. I want us to do a separate episode on this one day, Lance. But and maybe we'll even invite Jared back because he's been he's been so orthodox this so has far. Been good. I haven't had any issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's good. Okay. What what purpose and role do creeds and confessions play? In this discussion of church history, so we'll talk about the the usefulness or the necessity of them some other time. But as, in terms of church history, what what role do they play? How do they benefit us?
2: Yeah, so they, I think they help define those guardrails, kind of what we talked about mm. earlier. They help mm. lay out, okay, well, what is orthodox, what is biblical and scriptural, and what is not. And so they kind of highlight some of that stuff. When you talk about uh, the nature of Christ, the nature of the Trinity, that stuff, you get those in the early creeds. Jesus is both God and man fully. You get those in mm-hmm. those early creeds that help define and lay out what Scripture already says, mm-hmm. but addresses some of the heresies and some of the issues that came up during that time. Right, because that the church is today. Right, yeah.
1: because the church is dealing with those issues, and so they articulate these creeds yeah. in order to say, "This is what we believe." Biblical uh, is a biblical expression of the truth regarding those issues.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, can we trust the creeds? So long as they're based on Scripture. If, if, they're, yes. if they're biblical. But, okay. but, I
0: mean, again, if we reorient our thinking, it, it ought to be enjoyable to go back and look mm. at the different confessions and right. look at the different creeds, analyze them, examine them, um, lay the Scripture right next to them, and, and really dissect and depict what they're saying. And if they're biblical, affirm it. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Affirm it.
2: That's good. Yeah, so usually the for for an evangelical framework, if you just Google creeds, there's going to be like, hundreds there's yeah. a lot of them like they still like, keep going. like creed Breton. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so but you want to look at the first like the apostles creed um the nicene creed mm-hmm. or kind of the updated nicene um, constantinople creed mm-hmm. uh the chalcedonian and, and uh, athanasian creed those four are kind of the main framework before you start delving more I was into... Oh, like the pillars? He was yeah, at, so yeah. those would be the, like kind of the first four main ones dealing with issues of Christ and dealing with this. So Yeah,
1: significant um, theological issues, yeah. right? So yeah. I think
2: those are the ones that we can all affirm. So this was before, you know, um, kind of divisions within denominations before anything yeah. else. So this spans, like, where you are. If you are Christian, you can affirm yeah. these four. Creeds, a lot of times
1: so. they're called the ecumenical creeds, right? Yeah, like they're, they're They're universal in the sense that if you are a Christian, you should affirm these yeah, things, Yeah, you should right? be good with these. Right, no like problem. we might differ on baptism, we might differ on the the mode of the Lord's Supper, but we can't differ on who Christ is. Yeah. Right, like like that's, okay. So yeah, so you've got those which help give us, I, I think that that's really where I wanted this to talk about, is it gives us those guardrails to say, not only does this keep us from diving or, or veering too far off the path, but I think when you look at these things, it tells you, this is, this is what the church has believed for 2,000 years, you know, or for mm-hmm. 1,700 years at least. Yeah. To say, this is, I'm not on shaky ground, I'm on solid ground. This has been established, it's firmly in place. And I can I can trust it not because it in and of itself is authoritative, but because it's built and based on the Word of God, and it lines up with Scripture. and And men and women for generations and centuries and centuries have affirmed these things.
2: Yeah, and that's all creeds and confessions are doing. They're not bringing new material. They're, to not, it. Bad They're, not, <laughs> They're yeah. not bad words. They're not. They're not bad words. They're not bringing new material. They're just yeah. withdrawing what Scripture's already that's said good. That's and good. making it to where we can say it. That's really- yeah, but
0: your average Joe, Joe schmo, on uh, you know he. He's not that one. Shout out put, to Joe Schmo. Yeah. If you're listening. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, we've got legit great minds, um, critical thinkers, lovers of Jesus um, that are putting together these creeds and confessions, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's not your just run of the mill, right. you know, I've been converted for one day. I mean, we're talking about stout theological minds mm. throughout the centuries. That's th- good. That can write and put. Scripture together and organize it in ways that yeah. I cannot. Yeah, they're, they're gifts. I'm to thankful the, for that. Gifts
1: to the church. Uh, I find I find myself saying that all the time as I open up commentaries or if I look at men in history. Like these are gifts to the church that God has given us so that we might better understand.
0: Um, his revealed truth. You're man. a confessional guy, right? I love the confession. 16, 16, 18, eight, That's yeah. That's my. That's that's my your, go-to. your go-to. That's
1: my favorite. But it's based on like you mentioned. Um, you mentioned like these men of faith. Well, think about like the Westminster Divines. Like right. those men, it, it was the cream of the crop that were picked out to say, hey, articulate scriptural doctrine in a confession that's robust and that's what the the 1689 is the same way and so i love the extent to which they they Dig deeply in on those things And then you've got other creeds today Or other confessions I mean, uh, Jared and I are Southern Baptists We were part of the Southern Baptist Convention The Baptist Faith and Message It's not incredibly robust But it is still It lines up on those key doctrines To say, look, this is orthodoxy This is what we believe the Bible teaches There's freedom in other areas To be autonomous But you've got to line up on these things right? Like the core tenets of the faith
2: Yep, Absolutely
1: um all right what what what, do we, what do we got on time we good on time Let's let's do one more question Okay one more question and you you ask it <laughs> You ask a question or Jared ask yeah, a question yeah. or I I don't know I feel like I am Yeah we can questions. throw
0: yeah we can throw out whatever um, whatever we want Um like, I guess uh, are you I mean one thing from church history that would be helpful today Yeah let's yeah let's, I mean, let's
1: bring it to more uh, like let's make it more applicable let's talk about application for the church
0: Yeah so, okay well I mean, I, I like the fact that you look through church history. Um, we, we don't see as much of it today, and this is why we need to go back and look at it, is you've got generations of Christians that are consistently talking about the sinfulness of their own hearts mm-hmm. and the sinfulness of mankind, and they're writing about it. I think of John Owen and the Mortification of Sin. It, like Puritan um, writings. Yeah, man, yeah. you know, they, they were just so concerned about their own sinfulness I feel like it's easy in our culture, since it's so fast-paced, mm. and it's constantly go, 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 that w- that we honestly don't have time to really sit down and think about our own sinfulness before God. There's just some great material out yeah. there. Um, not that there isn't now, but I would say it was highlighted more in centuries past as opposed to to now. Yeah, The sin word isn't Gosh. necessarily the uh, nicest of words.
2: Mm-hmm. You know to use. Yeah, so, that's good. You know, at this point,
1: Jared, what would you say? Like, like make this applicable to me? Yeah, today. no,
2: I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Growing up Alabama Bible Belt, I mean, you're talking about not only do not want to talk about sin, we want to hide our own sin. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we're yeah. not even going to even approach the topic. But when you look at early church Augustine's Confessions, like you talk about him wrestling with his own sin, wrestling with mm-hmm. himself, wrestling with ministry and doing that stuff. So you see his kind of trajectory um, throughout his kind of time. And so we're able to, when we struggle to hold each other accountable and struggle to be open with one another with our sin, having these works help us to see, okay, we're not alone in struggling with our own sin, yeah. and kind of reading through some of that kind of highlights that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Did what did Luther like? Did he kind of cross into asceticism at some point in dealing with sin, or yeah, no? Or
1: uh, yeah, I don't know all the details of it. at least. Man, you're the Luther. Well, I used to be. I've. I've
0: <laughs> I have forgotten
1: far more than I seem to be able to remember. But he was—he was—he was,
0: he was, uh, he was he clearly went, aware of his own very sin. Much so. and, yeah.
1: Yes, he went he, in his time in the monastery. Like that was the thing that I mean, it just it ate at him. Okay. It was until the gospel gripped him that he finally understood how to deal with that sin. Yeah. Um, do you do you know the answer to that question?
2: Not particularly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I, did, I
1: wanted you to say it if you could. Uh, you know, the other thing I was yeah. thinking about before we jump into the initiative, we were talking about. Like what we've learned from church history, I think maybe the most humbling thing I've learned is like how little these guys watch Netflix and movies. You know, like when I read these guys, I'm going like like John Gill, like Doctor Voluminous was his name. I mean, that guy wrote just so much, and he thought so much, and he's one of just a handful of guys. I mean, you look at the reformers. Uh, Zwingli had the entire Greek New Testament memorized, verse for like word for word in the Greek. Like he wasn't just—that's you know, no he, big deal. No, he wasn't like, like yeah. You'll have that done by the end of the week, I'm sure. But like he wasn't like flipping through, watching the like binge watching the the latest and greatest thing on TV, and yeah. he wasn't distracted by Twitter. And like when I read these guys, especially um, as I read like these great men who have done such great works, I'm just reminded that they put their priority and the emphasis and focus on the things that mattered. And hey, so yeah. when when I read yeah. it, that's what I think of.
0: Yeah. To to add to that, um, at least on. Uh, being intentional with time, Jonathan Edwards in his seventy resolutions, one of his resolutions was saying to not do anything that he wouldn't do in the last hour of his life. Hmm. Like,
1: gosh,
2: wow! I'm really glad I mean, you nailed that quote. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. Was, I said <laughs> that one smoothly, right? <laughs> that was um,
0: tricky. But I mean, he wrote he wrote those when he was eighteen and nineteen years old, gosh. and he's saying, look, really try and make it a habit to narrow down what I do to what I would only do if I had one hour left to live. Right. Live your life
1: in that way, which is such a good teacher for us. Oh, my goodness. That's good. That
0: should have been my initiative. Well,
1: okay, so let's do the initiative. Uh, Our takeaway. Lance, why don't you go first? Okay, thanks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay, so the initiative for me in this episode would, uh, would be to want and desire to attach yourself to the past. Mm. There's so many people that have gone before me that have exercised wonderful thought, put together wonderful doctrine and theology, but there's also people that have just been completely sold and burnt out for Christ and his gospel, man. It's just so motivating. Like I I just want, I just want to know about them Mm -hmm. just to help me be more like Christ. Right. So yeah, I just want to attach myself to those people.
1: That's, that's such a good word. i I want to echo that. Um, but I would kind of say on the other side, just as a safeguard, that for my initiative, I would say we have to have an appropriate perspective, right? Yep. Like we, we have to have That's the good. right balance on church history. So, yes, I want to attach myself to church history. It's incredibly useful. Um, I'm foolish if I don't pay attention to it. Like, there's just, I would just be unwise to, to ignore all the things of history. But I have to understand, as, as Jared mentioned earlier, as we've talked about before that none of these men are infallible in their understanding, that none of them are sin-free, and so it's not my authority. In other words, I can't say, well, I believe this because Edward said this and he was smart. Yeah. You know, like that's not that's not good enough, right? Like yeah. my authority has to be in the Word of God. And so scripture holds the authority, so I have tremendous value for church history, but it's not the basis of my beliefs. Mm-hmm. So having that balance. So, no. We're, Jared, what you got? Takeaway initiative.
2: Yeah, no, so I think uh, studying church history helps us see the development and progression of theology across generations. It mm-hmm. helps us to set up those guardrails uh, that are built on a biblical foundation. Um, so that's, yeah. I think it's good and it's practical. It helps us see how the early church dealt with issues and has to deal with it today. Yeah, That's, that's good. good. I yeah. like it. Anything
1: I, else? I, we, think, I think time we, to sign We off? can probably
0: bring them back. Yeah, I there's think, all this talk about max contracts in the I, NBA and free agency. You know? Yeah, I think, I, I we think, don't have any money, but
1: yeah, if you want to give to the podcast, that'd be a great time. Uh, we're, we're trying to expand our brand. Apparently, so. you know, sponsorships. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's stuff. bring them in. Bring them in. Uh, If you're not doing so already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and to our YouTube channel. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at Reformed Informants and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at r You can also find all of our episodes, social media platform connections, and show notes on
0: our new website. That is true. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions uh, for topics of discussion, uh, feel free to email us at reformedinformants at gmail.com.